What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Up Tempo Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lane, and tonight I have a very special guest by the name of Will Vandevort. He is here to cover the Clemson Tigers and, and break everything down and and talk uh, quarterback position, maybe a, maybe a little quarterback battle with everything they got coming in. And uh, he talks about Dabo and, and how he kept all this together at Clemson. And he goes on both sides of the ball, breaks down what they have coming back, what left for uh, Clemson in the 2021 season, and then he gives a, uh, a record prediction for Clemson, and and he lets you know what he thinks the 2022 season is going to be like. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to make y'all wait any longer. Like I tell you every episode when I bring a guest on, here it comes right at you. Enjoy. Welcome back in, everybody, and today we're joined by a special guest by the name of Will Vandervoort. He is the co-host for Believe in Clemson Football podcast, Will, man, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you doing? Man, I'm hanging in there uh, just celebrating today. My Auburn Tigers on the basketball court, man. They they uh, wrapped up a share of the SEC regular season title last night with an overtime victory against Mississippi State, and they're going for – uh, the full the full thing Saturday at home against South Carolina. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting with you being a Clemson fan. Uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, I just got I covered the Clemson game last night. I worked for uh, my main job was working Clemson SI. Okay, and uh, and so as the beat writer, and uh, so yeah, it was uh, a big win for Clemson, obviously. But uh, I think all all the Clemson people who read me and stuff like that are pulling for Auburn. On Saturday, I can guarantee you that uh, they don't. Just like Auburn has no love lost for Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina has no love lost for each other. It's a very underrated rivalry. Um, I know I don't know if the people that listen to your podcast really understand that that the hate between Clemson and South Carolina is every bit mm-hmm. as venomous as the hate between Alabama Auburn. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that you know, let's just call it what it is. You know, South Carolina just traditionally has not been a very good football program, so people don't know it as well. Um, I think if Clemson and South Carolina both were like Alabama-Auburn, where they're playing for conference championships and national championships every year uh, on the average, I think that obviously helps the rivalry, right? Like yes. North Carolina basketball. No so, doubt. Um, you know, so it's not – people don't know about it, but when you are born in South Carolina – such as myself, you're either a Clemson guy or you're a South Carolina guy. There's no in between because I like I like Alabama, mm-hmm. and Dabo says this all the time. There's no, um, you know, there's no protein. Yep, and that's to be honest with you, even though Charlotte is just a couple hours away from from Clemson, and it's an hour and twenty minutes away from Columbia, I'm gonna be honest with you now. <laughs> Most people in the state of South Carolina could care do not care about the Carolina Panthers at all. Oh <laughs> they, man, they they do not. There's a few that do, but they do. Most really do. do have, they have no. They they do not care about the NFL or the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. It's all about Clemson. It's all about South Carolina. That's all they care about. It's about those two teams and what they're doing. And you know, it's a good day if Clemson wins for them, and South Carolina loses, makes it even a better day. <laughs> you know, and and the same way with South Carolina on their side. So it's uh. It's a very, it's a very hated rivalry, and the, the fun thing about it to educate your listeners a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the, I'm not like me. I don't know the whole history with um, the Alabama Auburn rivalry, but with Clemson South Carolina, I, I, I've written a history book, a couple of history books on Clemson football, and um, 
you know, so I got to learn the history of the rivalry between Clemson Carolina mm-hmm. well, and to give you an understanding, they these two, the rivalry between Clemson and South Carolina started before there was even a, before they even thought about playing football. Really, I mean, it, it all came because Clemson came in, and the way the the, the former she was a senator at the time, then uh, Tillman. Um, and so he he just despised the way South, the University of South Carolina did the agriculture. He was a big farmer and, and you know from that area and that over wow. in Saluda County. And he despised the way the University of South Carolina was doing what they were doing with the agriculture department. And so he started pushing for a new school to open up. And this is in the 1800s, wow. about 1860s and 70s, when he started pushing for a new school. And then when Thomas Green Clemson gave the state of South Carolina the land grant to, when he passed, to, to start a school, Tillman pushed for it. And they, what it did is Clemson took the agriculture away from the University of South Carolina, which in the late 1800s, uh, that was a big deal because yeah. agriculture was everything. And um, he, he took it away from the University of South Carolina. And the University of South Carolina almost went bankrupt. Wow. They went from they went from University of South Carolina to South Carolina College. And they only had like four hundred and ninety nine students um that first year where Clemson opened up. So Man, <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, so that's where the hate for Clemson and South Carolina begins. Oh <laughs> it has wow. To do with <laughs> man, uh, Will man, I, I follow uh I followed the Spurs up show on Twitter and, and listen to some of his stuff with with South Carolina baseball, and I know they play each other this weekend. And uh, I just just on there, man, with just the baseball, I mean, just how the South Carolina fans and the Clemson fans are going back and forth in the mentions and, and just eating each other up, man. I, I just I feel it because that's how it is here in Alabama. Uh, there's no pro sports. Uh, the closest thing here for the, the lower part of the state, people love the New Orleans Saints. And so on Sundays, you know, you'll you'll bike over to New Orleans. It's a two hour drive and a couple people will pull for the Saints. And then uh, for the upper half of the state, it is pretty much the Falcons or the Titans. So um, it's 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 not, you know, on Sundays, if, if whoever loses, if they lose, they lose. We don't really care. Saturdays is where it's at, man. And, and that's what uh, that's what the people here in Alabama really care about. Yeah, it's so it, that's why I said it's like I tell anybody that's from Alabama, you know, that hey, the, the real rivalry, uh, I mean, Clemson South Carolina rivalry, it, it may not be known from a national scale, but when it comes to hate and just not liking each other, mm-hmm. it's the exact same. There's no difference. It's just nobody knows about it, and I'm not crapping on South Carolina. I'm just trying to like say the fact. Yeah, that they've never been good. If, they've never been really good for a long period of time. And, um, and that's why people don't don't know, know about. It. I think if they were to where Clemson is, mm-hmm. you know, and if you look at Clemson history, Clemson's been always a pretty darn good football program throughout that's history. Um, you know, if they were like where Clemson's at, they would. It, then I think it would be a better rivalry, like it is in baseball. Mm-hmm. Like you brought up the baseball one, because why is Clemson Sacramento baseball known so well? Well, because both programs are elite programs that have great baseball traditions and so people it's known actually at one point there was a stretch there for about 10 years in the 2000s where it was considered the best rivalry in college baseball no doubt so man will uh talking a little bit about that um 
I want to get on Dabo Sweeney, man. I know he's an Alabama kid and and uh, played at Alabama, and I'm just really uh, really interested on how he built this Clemson dynasty and and keeping all the assistants together. And, you know, usually when we see a championship, man, a lot of assistant coaches, they bolt to the NFL or they bolt for head coaching jobs. And I just think it's absolutely amazing how he kept all of this together in-house and he built this dynasty. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and I'll take a little shot at you. Uh, this will this will be uh, – <laughs> you guys probably don't – I mean, Dabo's an Alabama guy, so yeah. we know that, right? So, in, so he went to Alabama, he played at Alabama, mm-hmm. coached at Alabama. So the reason for you guys to know this, I really believe this with all my heart. The reason Nick Saban, I believe, is still coaching is because of Dabo Sweeney. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I believe that Nick Saban wants to rack up as many national championships as he can because he's worried that a guy who already owns two national championships Mm -hmm. before he turned age 50 and remember, Nick Saban didn't get his first national championship until after the age of 50. That is correct. At the time. That, uh, you know, I think he's concerned Dabo might catch him at some point. Mm, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, I think Dabo's the reason Nick stays uh, stays into coaching longer than we probably thought he would. Uh, I say that jokingly, but I think there's <laughs> something there. I really do believe that. But to get to your question, um, Dabo is, when he came to Clemson uh, back in 03, this is kind of where it really started. And so Dabo is a – he's a big fan of Bobby Bowden. Oh, yeah. Okay? And uh, we all know what Bobby Bowden did at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And um, Dabo really kind of looked at how Bobby ran things. And it just happened to be, you know, his former assistant coach, uh, his former position coach when he was at Alabama, Tommy Bowden, mm-hmm. hired Dabo to come to Clemson after Dabo had been out of football for a couple of years after getting fired off the Alabama staff back in 01. And Tommy talked him into coming to Clemson because Tommy felt like Dabo was the kind of guy that fits Clemson. And Tommy was right. I mean, mm. it, it, he just Dabo just fits it. And, you know, and so when Dabo got here, he kind of fell in love with Clemson almost immediately, like on the visit when he came. Um, you know, he, he immediately – just saw that this could be some place where a lot of good things could happen. And so knowing, you know, he has this admiration for Bobby Bowden, everything Bobby Bowden did at Florida state. And now he's coaching for Bobby's son, Tommy and Tommy did a lot of the things when it comes to culture and building the program from the inside. Mm-hmm. Tommy was Tommy and Dabo very similar. Dabo, Tommy was very similar to his dad, but Dabo, you know, kind of took what Tommy did and what he learned from Tommy, and then he took what he learned just watching Bobby Bowden from afar, and he kind of mixed it together to what how he um, made his culture. And I'll give you an idea of what I mean by that. Um, there was a young man a few years ago um, that played for Clemson, and he um, Garrett uh, Garrett Williams. I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. but Garrett's dad. If you if you heard of the play Punt Ruski, right? No, I haven't. Okay, when you get a chance, Google Punt Ruski. Okay. So Punt Ruski was done in the 1988 Clemson-Florida State game. Okay. The game was tied 21-21. Clemson was ranked number three in the country at the time. Florida State was ranked number 10, I believe. 
and it was in Death Valley, um, and Deion Sanders was on that Florida State team. He returned a punt early in the game for a touchdown. Leroy Butler was um, also on that team uh, for Florida State. And so Garrett's dad was also on that team. And Garrett's dad actually became the, um, during his time at Florida State, he became the all-time touchdown leader. Mm -hmm. He played fullback, and so he scored like 20-something touchdowns one season. So he had like a bunch in his career. Um, So anyway... Um, Garrett was on that team, so Pontruski. So Garrett was the up man on the play, and mm-hmm. so it's fourth down. Florida State's at their own sixteen yard line, and Bobby Bowden is like a minute twenty to go in the game. Bobby Bowden calls a fake. Oh wow! And so the fake was so his Garrett's dad would uh, D, his name was I think Dean Williams. I think Dane Williams. That was it. Dane mm-hmm. Williams. Dane would take the snap. And then he would, the punter, act like it went over his head. Dane takes the snap and then sticks it immediately under Leroy Butler's leg. Leroy's playing on the wing. And then he rolls uh. left like he's playing out the fake. Okay? So, all the, Cle- oh, he rolls right, excuse me, like he's playing the fake. So, all the Clemson people go with either the punter or the fake, right? Uh. Leroy Butler's sitting there with the ball between his legs. And he's supposed to count three seconds. And so he actually counted one because one of the Clemson players recognized <laughs> that there was a fake. Oh. And so he took, Leroy took off early, which was a good decision on his part because it ended up being a 78 yard run. And Florida State ended up winning the game on a field goal 24 21 <laughs> uh, in the final seconds. So it, and it's called Punt Ruski. And, um, you know, Bino Cook, who was a longtime sports writer um, and sports analyst for college football, mm-hmm. worked on ESPN for years. He called it the greatest place since my fair lady. Um, and so, anyway, I bring all that up, seeing that, so, years later, Dane's son, Garrett, mm-hmm. is being recruited by Clemson. And Garrett told me when his son signed with Clemson, I asked him, I said, you're a Florida State guy. Clemson and Florida State are conference rivals. Why in the world would you want your son to go to Clemson? And he says, Will, I'm going to tell you one reason why, the only reason. It's because I want my son to play for Bobby Bowden. Well, Coach Bowden's retired. Mm-hmm. He's like, so that's never going to happen. He's like, so I want him to go play for the guy who's just like Bobby Bowden. And he wow. says, that's Dabo Sweeney. Wow. <laughs> and he said from everything, you know, from the way he runs the culture inside the program to, to the way he handles his players, everything, he says, it's just he's just like, it's just like Bobby Bowden. Now, that, now, bring all that up as to answer your question long-winded. Uh, you know, Garrett, I mean, excuse me, Davo's program, the way he's built it and why he's been able to keep coaches like Brent Venables, mm-hmm. Tony Elliott, uh, Jeff Scott, mm-hmm. um, you know, Chad Morris, all those years he's been able to keep coaches that have gone on to be head coaches, you know, it's because of the culture at Clemson. A, Clemson is a place where any coach will tell you. You can ask any of the coaches at Auburn. They'll tell you that, man, if you get the opportunity to coach at Clemson, you want to. And it's not – this is even before Clemson became a power in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is even before then. The reason they want to is because Clemson's got this, this you know, thing about it, this aura about it that coaches love. They love the community. They love the way the school – uh, puts what they put into football, how this, the community, the little town around here kind of gets involved with it. 
Um, it's just a lot of things that come together, why coaches really want to come to Clemson. And so that helps that you have coaches that want to be here. When they get here, they really don't want to leave. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's hard to explain, but they really don't want to leave. Like Brent Venables, even though Oklahoma is offering him all this money and everything, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he there was a big thought process in his mind if he wanted to take this job or not. Mm. Like it, it, there was, he took two or three days after he was offered the job. Wow, took two or three days before he decided he was going to take it because it was a really tough, difficult decision. Because he loved where his kids were at, and the schools they were going to, and he loved the community, and he's invested in Clemson, and um, so it was a tough deal for him. As it is for the same thing, Tony mm-hmm. Elliott, of course, played at Clemson under Dabo Sweeney, mm-hmm. and he was a um, came in as a running backs coach in 2011, and sort of he kind of you know Dabo sort of taught him the ropes, if you will, mm-hmm. on how to be a coach and stuff, and so and he played, like I said, he played for Tommy here. I mean, for for Dabo here at Clemson when Tommy was the head coach, mm. and you know, and so that was a tough decision for him. So it's just it's just more of the culture. Mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so when you ask any coach who's coached at Clemson, that's coached under Davo Sweeney, they'll all tell you that for the most part, that's why it's such a hard thing for them to leave because the culture of the way he's built this program um, and the way how friendly it is. Like, okay, for instance, um, Davo, like um, Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. is family night. He got this from Bobby Bowden, who, you know, he got it from Tommy, who got mm-hmm. it from Bobby. Wednesday nights, the kids they come to practice, and they and they and so and then they have dinner for them, and they're around the players and all that. And oh, if you're man. a child of one of the coaches and you want to come to practice any day of the week, you can. That wow. philosophy is these guys work 15, 16 hours a week during the season. They don't get to see their kids as much as they should. Mm-hmm. So Dabo encourages the kids to come to practice if they want to, so they can be around that. Wow. You know, and mm. that's a big selling point for coaches, you know, because there's a lot of coaches, trust me, that won't do that. That's they a fact. It's a distraction to have their kid there at the office and all that stuff. Then on Sundays, Dabo will, his, his coaches cannot come into the offices until after one o'clock. Wow. On Sundays, you know, even if they had a noon game the day before or what, he wants his coaches to spend Sunday morning with their families, go to church, do whatever they want to do. But he does not want anybody at his offices at one o'clock until one o'clock. Man, that is yeah. uh, Will. Man, that is that is stand up stuff. Um, I, I just I absolutely enjoy listening to that man. Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. So much respect for for Coach Dabo and and what he's done at Clemson, man. Um, and you know, you mentioned we mentioned we talked about the assistants and everything, man, and, and losing Venables and, and Coach Elliott. Could you talk about uh, replacing those two guys and, and promoting within, and, and what's the fan base feeling about the the, uh, the replacements on the coaching staff? <laughs> yeah, so the fan base, they're a little torn because they love to brag about Clemson's culture. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're like, should we have hired a guy that doesn't have that much experience to be our coach? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you That's know how fans are. They're fans for a reason. And so, um, so it's, uh, but, so what they've done, I'll just tell you what they've done first. So, Wes Goodwin, mm-hmm. um, who was a senior analyst under Brent Venables, 
Um, he has now been promoted to new linebackers coach to replace Brent Venables and the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, now a lot of people say, who's Wes Goodwin? And that's a great question because if you're not at Clemson, you don't know who he is. Um, Wes Goodwin was, he's a guy that's been at Clemson since 2011. He came to Clemson as a graduate assistant, um, spent his first four years with Clemson, helping member coach Kevin Steele. Yep. Kevin Steele's actually one of the guys who love Wes Goodwin. If you ask Kevin Steele about Wes Goodwin, he'll go on and on about that he might be the sharpest defensive mind he's ever met. Mm. Uh, Brent, Brent Venables will tell you the same thing. So after his fourth year at Clemson, when he was an analyst already, um, he um, he got an offer to go work with the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. um, under um, – oh, man, sorry, my mind's escaping me. You help me out no. here. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Oh, um, um, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, my bad. So I'm a no, you're good. Fan. I you're know, good. I should know BA. Um, uh, Bruce Arians, he worked under Bruce Arians for three years out there mm-hmm. um, as his lead analyst on defense and stuff. And so – Everybody just assumed because he went to the NFL that Wesley was going to end up being an NFL coach. Well, mm-hmm. somehow, Dabo. Oh, I know what happened. Arians, remember he reti- he left there. He left there, mm-hmm. and he left football for like a year. Yeah, at Arizona. And so when he did, Dabo brought Wesley back. He's like, "Hey, come back and work with me." And when he did, Dabo says, "Listen, I know when BA gets another job." He's going to come after you, which he did. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but I promise you, if you stick with me, I'm going to let you be my DC whenever Brent decides to leave. Wow. And Dabo's a man of his word. And so Wesley turned down the last four years. Wesley's turned down several NFL jobs, mm. including a couple with the Buccaneers. Um, and, um, you know, because he, he felt like, you know, Dabo's always gave him the first opportunity mm-hmm. to be a coach. Uh, years ago, and that he thought that uh, that he would have that he wanted to to show Dabo his loyalty and stick with Clemson because he felt like this would be a great opportunity to continue his career and grow here at Clemson. So yeah. that's what he did. So now he's the new defensive coordinator. And Brent Venables will tell you, man, the crazy things you see Clemson have done the last couple of years defensively and mm-hmm. all that stuff. That's Wes Goodwin. And, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's the one who designs all that stuff up and gets it going and. So um, now it's the question the fans have is, can he coach? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference in scheming it and breaking down film and everything and actually coaching. So people want to see that. He did a great job in his debut against Iowa State in the G-Zip Bowl. Mm-hmm. Held Iowa State to 60 yards rushing. They led the Big 12 in rushing this year. Clemson held him to 60 yards rushing. Wow. And, um, you know, held him to 270 total yards. They were like number two in the Big 12, I believe, in total yards. And so they were like – 160 or 70 yards below their season average in total yards. So he did a fantastic job in that game in his debut. But now everybody's anxious to see now that it's his defense. Mm-hmm. He's going starting to spring. Everybody's curious to how he's going to be as a coach. Um, and so we're going to find out on him. Brandon Streeter, he's a former Clemson quarterback. Yeah, He took over for Tony Elliott. Uh, Brandon's been with Dabo, uh, the Clemson staff, since 2014 when he came in to replace Chad Morris um, in the Russell Athletic Bowl. Coincidentally, that was his first game as Clemson's assistant coach. Uh, and then his first game is the same bowl, basically. The Cheez-It Bowl is now the Russell Athletic Bowl is now the mm-hmm. Cheez-It Bowl. 
he, his first job as office, his first game as office coordinator for Clemson. <laughs> so, uh, so it came full circle for him um, in that. And so Brandon is, like I said, he's been with them since 2014. Um, and he, you know, he's a guy, he's, he's been the passing coordinator the last couple of years, working directly with Tony. And, um, you know, he was the guy that was the coach for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was the coach for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he, he brings a lot of experience. He, he was an offensive coordinator at the SCS level, uh, back for Richmond Spiders, I believe. And, um, you know, did that for like six years uh, before he came to Clemson. So it's the guy, he's got – He's got experience as an OC, and I think that's going to help. And, uh, you know, and Dabba's done this before. You know, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott, he hired from within mm-hmm. and, and promoted them to offensive coordinator. So this is something Dabo's done in the past, and, you know, it's worked. So it, they won 80-plus games with those guys and uh, a couple national championships and played for two national championships also. So um, it seems like Dabo kind of knows what he's doing. You know, there's a saying yeah. down here in Dabo we trust. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's that, and then of course a couple other changes, offensive line. Um, Robbie Caldwell, the longtime coach for Dabo, been with him 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie has retired, and so Thomas Austin's taken over on the offensive line. Thomas is a former player, played under Dabo Sweeney, and um, at Clemson, and uh, he's been an analyst for. For him, for a good part of that time, he also spent two years as the offensive line coach at Georgia State. So he's right. got some experience, did a good job there, helping that program go to the first ever bowl game mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, so um, he's, that's him. And then they brought in also uh, Kyle Richardson's going to replace Tony Elliott as a position coach for tight ends. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle's also promoted from within. Um uh, he was the, um, you know, you heard of that guy named Mason Rudolph, right? Oh, yeah. Oklahoma State. He was Mason Rudolph's high school coach at Northwestern here in South Carolina. Wow. And um, so Kyle's going to take over to tight ends. He's been with Dabo, I think, the last five or six years as a analyst. Um, and so um, he uh, he's a guy around the state of South Carolina. He's one of the all-time winningest coaches in the history of, state of high school football in the state of South Carolina. So now he's going to get a shot to see what he can do as a college coach. Um and then on the defensive side, um, Wes is going to take over at linebackers. And then a guy by the name of Nick Eason, you yeah. know that name. Yeah, we know he's it. A, <laughs> he's, a, he's a former Clemson guy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played under Tommy Bouth. He's going to be the new defensive tackles coach, replacing Todd Bates, who went with Brent Venables to Oklahoma. Mm. So, um, you know, so those are the new guys. And, and Nick, um, I was there yesterday watching practice, and Nick was – all up in there, man. Doing what Nick does. Oh, I've known man. Nick for I've known Nick since he played for the Steelers, and um, he's a great guy mm. and a good friend. And you know, really excited to see what he can do up here. Back with he's excited. He just loves Clemson, <laughs> and he's just so excited to be back here. Will, man, uh, that was that was great stuff right there. Talking about the the uh, coaching replacements and uh, and Coach Easton, man, losing him from Auburn, and and that was a really huge loss and. Um, I, I just – I can't be mad at him. He went home, and, and that's how we kind of all felt. And, and there was no love lost right there. We, we, we think the world of Coach Eason, and, and uh, we, uh, we wish him the best, man. And, and I'm excited for these, uh, the, these coaching hires and, and, and Clemson, you know, getting back on track this upcoming year and, and moving on to, into the offensive side of the ball, man. Uh, you know, the, the year that DJ – Ui Ungalalele had last year uh, the up and downs, and uh, 
him coming into spring ball, man. What does he have to do moving forward to get better in 2022 and uh, secure that QB1 job? Well, the first thing he has to do, and he's done it, is he has to lose weight, right? He was about 255 pounds last year. Wow. Um, and Dabo reported yesterday that he's down to 240 um, uh, before they started King, uh, spring practice yesterday. Um, so he's uh, he's done that part. And he looks good. If you've seen videos out there, you can tell he's lost weight. Now, Dabo pointed out, like, DJ's never going to – he's a big guy. So mm-hmm. he's never going to be, like, much smaller than 240. Mm-hmm. And may get him to 235 maybe, but that's probably going to be about it. He's just a big guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's six foot five. You know, he's got a big frame. He's a big guy. He's also got a big arm. And and so, you know, that's not an issue either. What was an issue was that I think what happened, first of all, they played mm-hmm. against Georgia, and we all know how great that Georgia defense was that's last fair. year. I think he lost his confidence early in the season. Mm-hmm. And it took him a while to get it back. That's normal when a guy gets out there and he gets sacked his first – I mean, he got sacked seven times in his first game. Mm-hmm. To give you comparison, Clemson gave up 13 sacks the rest of the season. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, Georgia, Georgia got seven in one game, and then the Tigers gave up a 13 the rest of the year. Man, that's so, incredible. Yeah, so it took him a while to get hit like that so much to – get his feet back under him, if you will, and mm. get his confidence back. He started to get his confidence back around the Louisville game. He saw him making some good throws and being a little more comfortable in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Like his footwork was a little bit better than it was early in the year. But then the injury bug hit him, and yep. he injured his knee in that game. And um, after that, that really, I think more than anything, affected his accuracy. Mm. So that's something he's had to work on again. His footwork obviously needed some work, and then – you know, just need to get more comfortable on that knee. Um, and then, to add on top of that, he broke his index finger on his throwing hand. Man. So, he played the last three games of the season. He did it against Wake Forest. He played the last three games of the season with a splint on his finger taped up. Get out of town. Still, which, you know, anybody out there needs to understand, the index finger is the most important finger. No doubt. On, on a throwing hand. And especially with a football and to be in that kind of pain and play with a broken finger, you know, I give the kid kudos for that. But no as doubt. you can tell, if you watch the football <laughs> in those games, mm-hmm. he would throw it with the same velocity he could throw with, but boy, they were some wobbly, ugly nuts. <laughs> 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 so, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think he, you know, he's just got to stay healthy. He's lost some weight. That's going to help that. There's no doubt. Um, and and there are some other things that I won't talk about because that's, that's yeah. DJ and his family's business. Mm-hmm. But there are some things off the field that were going on too that I think really, really kind of um, hurt DJ a little bit because there's things going on that I think could affect his mental capacity. Mm. And you got to understand, when you're not totally mentally involved, at quarterback at this level, mm-hmm. especially playing for a program like Clemson, it can really affect how you play. Man. And um, and that, I think, was part of it as well. You know, again, not going to say what those things were because that's, yeah. that's not my place to say that. 100%, um, man. You know, and we're going to keep those private. But, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a tough year, both on and off the field for DJ last year. And so you got to think the worm turns, right? No you got to think that he's going to be able to come back this year and look like the DJ we saw 
play against Notre Dame where he threw for almost a thousand yards in two games mm. uh, when he was in for Trevor Lawrence when he had COVID nineteen a couple mm. years ago, and, and and you know completing seventy percent of his passes and doing so. So, Man, he looked um, special. He looked special that night against Notre Dame. That was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, he holds the record in Notre Dame's history, their entire <laughs> history. Nobody's thrown for more yards against Notre Dame wow. than DJ Uwe Ungelay. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is special, man. I did not know that. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing, you know. And so, he, so it's there. It, it, we know it's there. We've yeah. seen it. It's just a matter of can all those other things that happened last year, can he take care of things, get healthy, you know, get his get his mental capacity where it needs to be to play the game. And, you know, um, you know, and then just ha- so he's mentally prepared to things of that nature. And then that because that also comes to the physical part and make sure he's mm-hmm. in good health and stuff like that. It all kind of ties together. You know, we all know this. The more stressed out you are, the mm-hmm. more vulnerable you are to get sick and to suffer an injury. No doubt. Because your immune system breaks down. Yep. Your body breaks down. I think DJ was a perfect example of that. I think he was stressed for things that were going on off the field. And, again, had nothing to do with him. None of this had anything to do with him off the field. This mm-hmm. kid is a great kid. And um, so he, he wasn't in trouble or anything like that. This is something going on on his family side that he can't even control. And I think that was part of the reason why he struggled and why he just wasn't in the shape that he needed to be in and all that stuff because I think all that stress just kind of built up on him and it really affected his game. So we'll see how he does. Spring's going to be big because there's this guy who's the number one ranked quarterback in the country last yes, year sir. out of high school. <laughs> yeah, and this young man's coming in to play. It, just like Trevor Lawrence did, just like Deshaun Watson did. Mm-hmm. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson as a freshman. Mm. He coming in, Deshaun was a tall drink of water, right? You know what I mean? He An absolute just, stud. At, he, yeah, he had, but but he wasn't very big, right? Mm-hmm. He was skinny, and but he just had this arm, and he had this mental capacity that was just – I still to this day have never seen anybody – like Deshaun Watson from a mental standpoint when mm-hmm. he came to Clemson. Um, and that includes Trevor Lawrence. Mm. <laughs> so um, Deshaun's just a different cat, man. I can't explain it. But everything I hear, Kate Klubnick is kind of like that. But man. also like Deshaun, he's not very big. Mm-hmm. And so Deshaun had to get hit bulk up a little bit because that's why Deshaun, I remember, he suffered some injuries and stuff his freshman year. Mm-hmm. So the coaches want to get K to get bigger. And I think if they had their brothers, I think they'd rather DJ come and do what they think DJ can do. Mm-hmm. And that allow them to maybe possibly redshirt Klubnik and get him bigger, get him in the strength program to where he can get bigger, stronger. That way they don't have to throw him out there as a freshman like they had to do to Sean Watson. And Deshaun ended up getting hurt because of it because he just physically wasn't ready to play the game at this level. But this kid, man, I'm telling you, he's not coming to Clemson to sit on the bench. That's a fact. <laughs> this, kid, this kid is a four-year starter in high school, mm-hmm. uh, or three-year starter in high school, I should say. He won three state championships and was 45-0 and as a starter. Man, so, so, that is wild. And, yeah, he put up big-time numbers, and, um, you know, you know, he is every bit as advertised. And so Clemson's excited to have him, and they, they and he's going to get every opportunity 
to compete starting this spring. Dabo talked about it yesterday. Can't wait to see him out there, see how he looks, see how comfortable he looks, see how much he's absorbed already the offense from, you know, just from what he's been able to do and learn since January. Um, so they're kind of interested to see that he's going to get a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. Dabo mentioned that um, because, hey, look, you know, there isn't much behind him. So they kind of got to do the – he's got to get the reps. So mm. um, he's going to get a lot of reps. And if he does well, like Trevor Lawrence did, you know, his first year, his spring season, mm-hmm. you know, that could translate to him getting some of those reps. First team reps may be the back half of spring practice. And if he does start getting some first team reps, then DJ better watch out because that means the coaches think they could push him to compete for the job. Man, Will, man, we, you know, I got my brother on here as a co-host and, and one of our uh, long time best friends, family friends, man. Uh, his name's Dalton Garrett. He helps us out on here from time to time. And uh, he made a bold prediction on one of our previous episodes that Cade will come in by week three or four and take over that starting job. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it shocked a couple of us. And, and some of our listeners were, you know, they were shocked and like, wow, you know, what a, you know, but that's his prediction. And, and he's sticking with it because he, uh, he has followed Cade and, and, and he has watched huddle highlights and, and games on, on YouTube and stuff. And he is just, uh, he's very high on him, man. Yeah, as he should be. Um, I think a lot of Clemson people here would agree with him. I think if you had to ask and poll the Clemson fan base, I bet you more than 60% would say they feel Klubnik will take over the job by week five. Oh, man. So, um, because I think the the fans were a little, I'll be honest with you, they were a little disappointed with DJ for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. I mean, he had, look, he produced the worst passing yards since 2010 for our Clemson quarterback. Mm-hmm. He produced the, the he had the worst completion percentage um, in over a decade by a Clemson quarterback, and he had uh, he's the, only the second quarterback to have more interceptions than touchdowns in a season thrown. Um, he only had nine touchdowns and ten interceptions last year. Now, as Dabo said yesterday, not all of that was DJ's fault. No doubt. I, I mean, Dabo's like you know, hey, we got to be better around him. He's like you know, the wide receivers first of all. <laughs> By the end of the season, they only had seven scholarship wide receivers playing, and none of them were named Justin Ross or jo- uh, Joseph Mangata <laughs> or Frank Ladson or E.J. Williams. They were playing true freshmen in Bo Collins and Dakari Collins, and Will Sweeney, who's like the fourth team slot guy, he was playing the slot. Oh, my goodness. So uh, that's how they played the last three games of the season at wide receiver, so that was one issue. Then there was injuries on the offensive line. They were shuffling through guards and centers because of injuries, and that really, I think, that hurt DJ's progression. I really believe that. Um, so it just was a – and then, of course, he just struggled himself. Mm-hmm. And so it was a hodgepodge of things that happened, but not all his fault. But yet clips of fans, as understand, when, you, when you're winning and you're great and you're throwing for 40 touchdowns, it's all the quarterbacks the reason why. But when you lose a couple of games and you're not throwing for touchdowns and all that, and it's the quarterback's fault why you lose it. That's a fact, you know? man. Apologize well, to my dog barking in the background. No, no. Young dogs and they're playing. <laughs> no, you're good, man. I got my daughter and her dog up here, and, and they're um, making some ruckus and everything, man. It's 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 completely okay. Uh, 
Will, man, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about – could you talk about the O-line and, and maybe what that defense is going to look like for Clemson in the 2022 season? Yeah, so the offensive line, um, well, you know, we'll start there. So they're not off to a good start, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought they were bringing everybody back, but then Hunter Rayburn, who started six games, the last six games of the season, either at center or guard um, – he was going. They were hoping he was going to be the starting center this year, mm-hmm. full time. But he ended up uh, suffering a, um, a neck injury, oh, and man. he's decided to retire from football because of it because there's oh. just too much risk involved. So they're down one. That was just ha- that happened about two or three weeks ago. That was announced. Um, so they're down one center there, and then Mason Trotter, um, Dabo announced yesterday. Um, he was going to be the backup center or maybe play guard, start a guard, one of the two. Well, and he started, um, I think he started seven games last year. I think the majority of them, he started at center. He, um, he ended up, um, uh, he didn't play in the cheese hit bowl. Mm-hmm. He was suspended. Um, uh, coach Sweeney would not tell us why, um, so anyway, his eligibility is in question for next year, for this coming season. And Davo told us yesterday that he will miss the majority of the 2022 season. The kid's done Man. nothing wrong as far as, you know, he hasn't broken any laws or mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, but Davo didn't want to get into what the reasons were. Um, but he just said he'll miss the majority of the season. So they're down two starting centers. And the only two guys they got on staff left at center that has experience, that had that, I don't even call it experience. <laughs> you got Ryan Lithicum, who was the, now this kid came as a highly touted, number, rivals had him as the number one ranked center in the country a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, he's only played last year, he only played in two games and got seven snaps. He redshirted last year. Um, and then uh, Trent Howard is the other guy, and he only played in two games and got six snaps. Mm. Those are your two guys coming back. So Dabo announced Will Putnam, who played right guard, has started the last 22 games at right guard. Mm-hmm. He's going to move over to center. And right now he's the first-team center in uh, spring practice, Linthicum second team. And then, um, you know, they're going to figure out what they're going to do there. They got some guys at redshirt and stuff they feel real good about, uh, Dietrich Pennington being one of them. Um, he, he injured his ACL last year, but he's back, and he's actually going to play at left guard, excuse me, at right guard, it looks like. Um, so, but Dabo mentioned that because of their numbers at center, mm-hmm. that they're going to go ahead and really take a hard look at the transfer portal and see if they can go and bring somebody in that has experience, that's maybe all-conference caliber, if you will, mm-hmm. and um, can really come in and push Putnam and Linthicum for the starting job. Uh, that way they know they got somebody solid to provide extra depth for them. If anything, if not get a starter, at least provide somebody who can come in and be a darn good reserve guy. 100%. Because um, uh, that's what they had with Rayburn and Trotter. Now that, those guys are gone for this year. And so, you know, so now other than that, they're going to bring back uh, their starting uh, left tackle, mm-hmm. all ACC, all American candidate, and Jordan, Jordan McFadden. They're going to bring back an all ACC caliber kid in Walker Parks on the right side at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mentioned they're going to move, you know, putting him over to center. So he's still going to count as a starter returning. 
And then they're going to uh, Marcus Tate, the highly touted true freshman from last year. He had some growing pains on that offensive line, especially on the left side. He's going to be the left guard again. Um, they want to see him out at tackle, but because of the needs right now, mm-hmm. you know, just what everything's going on, they're going to put him back at left guard. And this will be his first full spring doing it. So we'll see how he does uh, now, uh, being that this is going to be his position going forward. Uh, so that's kind of where they're at. They think they got a chance to be really good as run offensive line. Mm-hmm. Really showed that the tail end of last season. Um, when they, you know, they just waxed Wake Forest and South Carolina and Iowa <laughs> State up front. So, uh, you know, they feel real good about that in the group of running backs they have coming back in Shipley and Pace and Phil Moffa. Mm-hmm. So they feel like the running game's the strength of this offense, and uh, they just hope that they can fill that void at center and maybe, you know, D- Dietrich Pennington's the answer at right guard. If they can get that answer, then maybe they got a chance to be pretty good. Man, that's uh that is in depth stuff and and really really good uh really good detail right there, man. You really dove in and I absolutely love it. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, will uh I know the front seven's getting a lot of national attention and and a lot of love up there. What's that back end look like, man? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> uh, so you know it's crazy as long as Clemson as good as Clemson has been in football through the years, right? Mm-hmm. The if this is crazy to think though, but they've never had two all conference cornerbacks in the same year. So mm-hmm. last year they had, um, you know, they had Mario Goodrich mm-hmm. and they had Andrew Booth. Both were first team all conference performers last year. And man, those guys were. I mean, it was one A, one B. Yeah, no. it really was. They were so good. No doubt. Um, and so they got to replace both those guys. They're both headed to the NFL, mm-hmm. and uh, they got to figure out something. Uh, Sheridan Jones is a guy who played a lot last year, probably had his best year. I think he's going to be penciled in as one of the starters. Then you're looking at maybe Nate Wiggins um, on the other side, uh, going with Malcolm Green possibly, or Fred Davis. Uh, I think those are the three guys that really come to mind. They got They got a freshman also. Um, in there, a couple of freshmen actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, one who really stood out to me, yes, and of course they're just in shorts, and I understand, but Jalen Lucas, um, mm-hmm. the kid here from lo- the local kid from Malden, uh, just really stands out. Six foot two, 185 pounds, um, and he just looks good. I mean, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Just looks real. He looks like, you know, I, I'm only watching him in spring practice, so I've got to be careful in this comparison. <laughs> from a body type standpoint, and the potential of what his ceiling is, mm-hmm. I mean, he could be like a Mel Blunt at that corner, okay? Um, he's got the chance to be t- that physical, I think. Mm. Um, you know, and he gets to that strength program with Joey Batson, I think there's a chance he can get there. Um, so they got some guys, and then also number 23, uh, another highly touted guy, you might know his name, uh, Toriano Pride Jr., Mm. Um, uh, he's a pretty darn special guy and a four-star guy out of, uh, out of, you know, right, I believe out of St. Louis, Missouri. Mm. And he's, um, they're really excited about him and what he can do. He's more your traditional, you know, six foot, six, six, one kind of guy, uh, right around 190 pounds. Um, so, you know, they're excited about him. And then at safety, they, they're going to bring back, um, they're going to bring back, uh, Andrew McCuba at safety. He's mm-hmm. a sophomore. 
he's from Texas. Uh, Brent Venables loves this guy. Uh, when he's here, this guy might be the best safety Clemson's had since a guy named Terry Kennard was there mm. uh, back in the 1981-82 seasons. Um, really like him. He's got so much skill. He can cover the field so well. Strong tackler. Um, and then so and then it's going to be Landon Zanders who's going to come back. He got injured. Mm-hmm. And this time Makumba got his start last year. He got injured in the Georgia game. Tore up his shoulder. was out for the season. Makuba stepped in and did his thing, so Landon Zanders is going to come back. He's going to take over for Nolan Turner, uh, the all-ACC safety who's since graduated. He's been there, it seems like, I think 10, 15 years. Um, you know, <laughs> that's what it least seems like. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Nolan is back. And, of course, you all know Nolan's dad mm-hmm. uh, with, with Dabo. He played with Dabo back on the 92 National Championship team, mm-hmm. um, and he passed away a few years ago. Dabo, a lot of people don't know this, don't know that Dabo, that's Dabo's godson Nolan Turner is and his really? brother signed with Clemson this year too um so you know Dabo and him his their dad were best friends and Dabo was their godfather and uh, Dabo swore to him that he would take care of his boys when wow. he left um hmm. so told him not to worry about it and uh, Dabo's a man of his word and as you can tell and so uh you know so anyway they're really good I, I think they got a ton of potential mm-hmm uh, Jalen Phillips is a guy at safety that's going to compete for a starting job as well. Uh, so is R.J. Mickens. Remember that name because he really came on last year mm-hmm. at the tail end of the season and really started making some plays, and the light bulb has come on for him, I think. I think he might end up being Clemson's starting safety when it's all wow. said and done. Um, he is uh, he's instinctual and uh, can get to the football. He can cover ground. But he's really smart, and, and he, like yesterday, he had an interception in practice yesterday uh, where he just baited the quarterback. So he's, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a very smart guy. So I think he could be your guy as well. Um, and now, now linebacker, they're replacing all ACC James Skowski. They're replacing all ACC Bailey Specter. Those were your Mike and your uh, weak side backers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. A lot of people say, oh, man, that's that's a big drop-off. you got to replace two all-conference guys, you know, that were seniors and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's true, except they're going to replace them with a guy named Jeremiah Trotter, Jr. Mm-hmm. You might have heard of his dad, mm-hmm. was was a all-pro with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and his son seems to be every bit as good. He got a lot of playing time for the end of the year last year. Looks really good. He looks even smoother now, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, I think he's going to be your start middle linebacker. And then, you know, they got Barrett Carter uh, uh, over at uh, playing the weak side. And this guy is every bit as good as the guy, Trent Simpson, who's playing Sam. He's coming mm-hmm. back for his third year. He's going to be an All-American candidate. He's kind of like that Isaiah Simmons kind of guy. Remember Ooh. that guy, Isaiah oh, Simmons? Yeah. The free. And so uh, now you got two Isaiah Simmons on the field at the same time with this middle linebacker who I think is going to be a beast. Um, I, I think they actually gain athleticism. And this might be one of the best athletic offense uh, linebackers Clemson's had in mm. decades. Mm. Um, so uh, they're really stacked there. Um, so, and then we talked about the. You mentioned the front four. Yeah. And you know, we said <laughs> Thomas is coming back. KJ Henry's coming back. You ever heard this guy named Brian Percy? Yeah. He's back now off injury. This other guy named Tyler Davis is back. That's two <laughs> first round picks. No doubt. For next year's draft. There in the middle, you anchoring your defense. Um, and Xavier Thomas, by the way, probably better than all of them. It might be a top ten pick himself mm. at defensive end. 
Um, and, and they're just loaded. They're, they're eight deep at defensive tackle, and they're about six deep at defensive end, all with stud, talented players that are four- and five-star kind of guys. Uh, I mean, they're just loaded. Man. Might be a deeper defensive front than the one they actually had back in 2018 that terrorized the ACC and Alabama <clears throat> in that national championship game. Yeah, man, that was that was a special game. We all remember that one. Um, <laughs> uh, Will, man, uh, could you give me a, a record prediction, man, uh, for Clemson this year? What 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 win what win mark do they get to? Um, okay, you know it's so hard. It all is going to come down to that quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I really believe it. Um, you know, last year the reason the difference between Clemson, you know, not winning obviously the injuries. Heard them. They had so they had twenty one players that missed three or more games last year. That's how bad Clemson was. I mean, it was nuts. The injuries they had. They had fourteen players out for the season with injuries. I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. I've yeah. been Clemson eighteen years. I've never seen anything like it. Um, what it was last year. So you got to figure that's not going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play, and if they can get. You know the kind of quarterback play they expect out of DJ or out of Kate Klubnik. Then mm-hmm. I think they're right there in the mix. I will say, you know, they're going to go undefeated or anything because that's just too hard to do. No doubt, you can't really predict that. And they got, the, you know, when you look at the games they play this year, you know, they, um, they you know, they, they 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 obviously got they start off the season at, at Georgia Tech. Well, that's a win, um, but they got they got to go to Notre Dame. In November, mm-hmm. they got Miami coming to Death Valley, a Miami team that, that I think a lot of people think might be favored to win the Coastal Division. Uh, so we could mm-hmm. be looking at a late preview of the ACC Championship game mm-hmm. um, in Death Valley, um, just uh, next to last game of the regular season. Uh, they got to go to Florida State, to Boston College, back-to-back weeks. They got weeks where they got to play NC State, who's some favored to win the Atlantic Division. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct, folks. I'm saying <laughs> that. Yeah, some, some people have NC State correct uh, favored to win the Atlantic Division. Um, they come to Death Valley, um, like in the fourth week of the season. Then Clemson's got to go um, on the road after that and play. Uh, excuse me. Then they have Wake Forest coming in also. So those are kind of back. Those going to be big back to back games. Or they go to Wake Forest. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big back to back game because Wake Forest is bringing a lot of people back from that ten win team they had last year. So there's some. You know, some tough uh, bumps in the road. Yeah. So I think Clemson's better than all those teams. I think Clemson's mm-hmm. more talented than all those teams. But you know what? Clemson was more talented than all those teams last year too, but mm. they still somehow lost three games, mainly because of injuries. So you never know what's going to happen. So I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to go 11 and one, and uh, I, I okay. do think they win the ACC Atlantic and they play for an ACC championship. Okay. I think if they get to the ACC championship, they'll win it. And being there, they're twelve and one. I think they're right in the mix to go to the college football playoff again. Man, hey, I'm all for Clemson getting in there, man. I I, I would really enjoy that, and, and them getting back on track and uh, contesting Alabama. You know, you know what I'm saying, man. Uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I get you, man. I get you. I think a lot of people agree with you. Yeah, man. Uh, Will. I have absolutely enjoyed uh, you coming on here and giving me your Clemson knowledge and content, man. Uh, it has been a blast to hear you just completely break down the Clemson Tigers, man. And and hopefully I can get you back on soon. And uh, and I have really enjoyed it, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. And hey, anytime you want to talk football, 
I'm all for it, man. It's my, it's my, it's my passion. It's what I love to do. So let's let's do it anytime you want to. That's awesome, Will, man. Uh, we will definitely get you back on here, and uh, and uh, we will see how the Clemson Tigers are doing uh, mid season, maybe on a bye week. What do you say about that? Uh, hey, let's do it, man. Sign it up. All right, Will, man. We'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, man. Man, everybody, that was Will Vandervoort breaking down the Clemson Tigers. Absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, heck of a guest. Just, I mean, going in-depth, man, giving you every single thing you need to know about the Clemson Tigers coming up in 2022, uh, what DJ needs to work on, what their offensive line looks like, what their defensive line, linebackers, secondary is going to look like. Uh, front seven is getting all the national praise, like I said, man, but he really breaks things down and, and goes into the depth chart and dives deep and gives you some special players to look out for, some names to uh, keep an eye on and and – uh, just really in-depth stuff, and and Will broke it down um, perfectly. And the best part of the episode to me is when he talks about Dabo Swinney and what kind of guy he is and how he always keeps his word. That's how he built the culture at Clemson, and the Bobby Bowden piece was uh, absolutely uh, exceptional. And just how he doesn't let his staff come in on, on Sundays until after 1 o'clock to go to church and, and spend time with family. Absolutely incredible stuff, man. And, and Will, we we uh, enjoyed you, and, and we hope you come back on, man, and, and break break down some more Clemson Tigers football, man. Uh, great episode. And, uh, and, man, I hope you guys enjoyed it, honestly, uh, as much as I did. Uh, I love doing this, and I love bringing these people on for you guys. And uh, it just uh, – it, it – it, you know, it makes me happy. It's what I love to do. I love to talk college football. I love to hear depth charts. Uh, I love to hear schemes and, and uh, OCs and DCs, and it, it excites me, man. That's, that's what I grew up loving, and, and I'm always going to love it. So, uh, once again, man, if you could, just go over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, written review, whatever. We just uh, absolutely appreciate our listeners and followers, subscribers. Uh, if you haven't subscribed or followed or uh, listened to one of our episodes, just just share it with your friends, man. Get us out there, and if you enjoy the show, and and let other people know about us, and uh, spread the word. Uh, go go visit the Up Tempo Podcast Facebook page, Twitter page, um, and and get us out there. And and without you guys, it's not possible. We love our listeners and our followers, and we appreciate you guys uh, so very much. So hey, until the next one, I'll catch y'all. I'm out.